Hi, friend. You are listening to Boldly Created Podcast. Join your favorite duo as they bring on guests from all walks of life and allow you to feel like you are sitting with your besties chatting about life, Jesus, and navigating your 20s. Check in weekly for new episodes and laughs. Now, grab your favorite drink and sit back and enjoy the show. Or like something like what that. What time is it? Summertime. Season five. Season five. <laughs> Season five. <laughs> yeah, let's sing. That won't scare anyone away. Ooh, zero views. Okay. <laughs> you guys. We are on season five of Boldly Created Podcast. I never thought I would say that. Wait until you say season 10. I know. I actually can't. I cannot <laughs> fathom it. Season five of Boldly Created. And we get to top it off with a guy that we don't even know, but we met through social media. And he brought so much good stuff. Like, so much. I was trying to take notes and I couldn't because we were in the middle of a podcast, but... As you guys know, this season is all about relationships, and literally, he killed it. Yeah. You are going to want to listen to this whole episode. Mm-hmm. And he is going to be our exception. In addition to relationships, this is our last ever season in Chloe, North Carolina. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, I forgot. we're trying to pack in all the people that we love and care about yes. and just want to hear from. So, you're probably going to hear a lot more about Bridge Church this, semester, this season. Yes. Because it's going to be all our Bridge Church couples. Married couples, engaged couples, whatever it may be, you're going to hear a lot of the word Bridge Church. Okay, so it is time for our 60-second segment, and we're going to start it off this season a little different, and we're excited about it. It's going to be all about boldly. Boldly trivia, if you will. (laughs) Okay, 60 seconds starting now. What is your favorite episode we've done with Boldly? Dude, these are like, I can't think off the top of my head with these. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, honestly, that is such a hard question. I literally, I literally can't pick a favorite, even if I had to. Okay. What's your favorite moment with Boldly Created? Ooh, honestly, probably the behind the scenes moments that mm. are so hard to explain to yeah. like other people. But probably um, the night of the ketone packet. I know we've yeah. mentioned it before, but like we encountered the Holy Spirit in such a crazy way. Yeah. Who's your favorite mascot of Boldy <laughs> Mascot? Um, well, I am biased, but I have to say Mr. Mac. Um, <laughs> he just, he kills it. What's your favorite event we've done for Boldly? Um, my favorite event to date is probably our... First year at Mountain Heritage Day because that was such a huge leap of faith and we literally couldn't have done it without the Lord or without each other and we just saw the Lord show up in like yeah. an incredible way. Okay, my last question. Okay. Do you miss the boldly tabling events? Oh, okay. <laughs> Honestly, we did our best. We really we went out there, we did it, and we're so good, grateful yeah, for everyone that helped us. Good came out of it. But yeah. like I don't think I have any to no, do that again. No. Yeah. What think about you? How far away we've came. I know. Look at the growth. Right. Look at the growth. <laughs> I don't miss them. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. It was a lot of work. It we were drained after. Yeah. But I mean, again, like a lot of good came from it. So exactly. I don't regret it, but I don't miss it. Yeah, I know. Okay. Now it's your turn. 60 seconds starting now. Okay. You know our logo colors are pink and yellow. Yeah. Do you like pink or yellow better? 
Obviously pink, because if you can see my room, it's exploded with pink, which makes me kind of want to throw up, because I was never a girly girl. Um, but I do like yellow. I just think they really go well together, so I can't even, like, pick. I agree. I agree. Okay, what is your favorite episode? <laughs> okay, mine is season three, and it was Honey and the Rock, and we Ooh. had Gabby Latimer on. And me and Gabby were able to really sit down and tell the audience about what me and her went through during our friend breakup, I guess you could call it. And it was such a vulnerable and raw episode. And I've heard from a lot of different people that it's helped them. So that's definitely my favorite. Mm, I like that one. I've definitely listened to that one multiple times. Yeah. What is your favorite piece of merch that we have made so far? We've only made one piece of merch, Lily. We made the shirts, <laughs> the socks. Oh, okay. And, like, I forgot to Um... <clears throat> I feel like th- my favorite that we made for other people was the socks because they did really well. Yes. But my favorite personally was the t-shirts because it was such a significant moment for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because the butterfly is in our logo, mm. what does the butterfly mean to you personally? To me, it means renewal and growth. But it also reminds me of the goodness that he is. Because mm-hmm. when I saw it, it was when we were trying to figure out the logo for Worldly. <laughs> but I also <clears throat> felt like it was like showing me a sign of my grandma who passed. Um, so my grandma was like my best friend. So I think just a reminder of how good he is, even in like the dark places. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Without further ado, here is Trey Valley. All right. Welcome, Trey Valley. We're so excited that you're here and... I would love to just jump right in and talk about kind of how this connection started. Yeah, well, um, well, for the connection between the show and you, it's definitely me. I was on social media one day, just scrolling on my reels, yep. and his account came up, and I think he was talking about relationships actually, and I loved what he had to say. So I decided I would just message him and see if he'd be even like remotely interested, kind mm-hmm. of expecting no response, and then I got a response. So here we yes. are. Hey, I'm always happy to hear myself talk. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? It's so hilarious. People always um, ask me about like relationship advice, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of the questions I get have to do with relationships. But I always say that all of my advice comes from failures, not successes. So any uh. advice that you see me give, it's it's based on me looking back at the past and thinking, okay, um, what is the opposite of this? And then that's what I tell people to do. So yeah, it's just hilarious like to me that that I always get asked relationship questions, but here we are. So let's that's, let's do it. That's so funny. That's awesome. So to start off, what we ask every guest, what would you tell your BC self, your before Christ self? Yeah, um, I think that I could probably just sum it up with with two words: stop pretending. Oh. Um, I grew up a pastor's kid um, in a church home. Nice. Uh, never knew a reality outside of God existing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I fell so hard into just playing church and, and playing the part. Um, and, you know, on Sunday, I was the the guy giving the communion talks and speaking at youth events and doing all of those things. But during the week, I was I mean, my life took place in the, the dark alleys and the dimly lit rooms and the places that you don't go unless you're a complete fool. Um, and so that kind of disintegration and almost like dual lifestyle um, really just broke down my perception of God, um, my perception of myself and and how those two things kind of integrated. So if I could meet my before Christ self and, and say one thing to him, it would just be stop pretending. It's not worth mm, it. I like that. Gosh, that's good. Um, I know that everyone's dying to know, but I would love to know how you came up with the name Trey Valley and kind of like 
what is the meaning behind it? And how did it all happen? Uh, it's so funny. So I'll just be honest about the motive. At first, I did not want my friends and family knowing that I was making little videos and uh -huh. putting them on TikTok. Um, but I had all of these like thoughts and everything in this journal that I had written down like a year prior when I was first mm -hmm. really getting to know the Lord. And I just felt so prompted to share them. But I didn't want to do it on like my personal account and with my mm. name. Um, so I just decided, okay, I got to come up with a fake name. And mm. the the way in which Trey Valley is connected to my name is that uh, I was originally going to be named Billy Jean Gurley the Third. Thank the Lord that didn't happen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but they were going to call me Trey, and you know I was kind of salty about that because I thought Trey sounded cooler than Branson, my regular name. <laughs> Um, so I decided that would be the first name. And then my last name, Gurley means keeper of the Valley. And so I just kind of wow. put those two things together and it's kind of weird with my family. We're very much into names. Like my mom named me Branson Garrett Gurley because it means like lighthouse and then warrior. So warrior of light, she was really smart about the whole thing. That's um, so cool. <laughs> But yeah, I wanted to do something that like loosely tied to my name, but mm. wasn't my name. So Trey Valley ended up sounding um, kind of clever and, and catchy enough, certainly more catchy than my regular name. So I just rolled with it. Oh, that's really cool. Very unique. <laughs> I try. I have a good idea every once in a while. So before we jump into the topic, I guess, how do you get to where you are today? Like, mm -hmm. what made you want to start what you did on TikTok? What made you start what you did on Instagram? Like, how did it all come to be? Oh, man, I'll give you the the short version. Mm -hmm. um, I had just kind of come out of the the lowest valley of my life. I had mm -hmm. completely hit rock bottom. Um, you know, a lifestyle of sin is really a house of cards. And mm -hmm. at some point, you don't know how, you don't know when, but that life is going to crumble to the ground. And I was just lucky that it happened at the young age of 20. It could have happened at 40, could have happened oh, at 50. Um, God was gracious enough to bring me low at a very, very young age where I lost pretty much everything that was important to me. Um, spent my last dollar and took out a loan to check myself mm -hmm. into rehab. I knew wow. that, you know, this wasn't going to be sustainable. I knew that my lifestyle was going to take my life at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of throughout that process of just being disconnected and truly alone, um, I, I got to know the Lord for the first time in really an intimate way. And, you know, I had, I had encountered his presence when I was a small child and, and God was always my best friend up until like the age of six or seven. Um, but I hadn't really felt his presence since then. And in that rehab center, um, I felt it because I was just at the absolute lowest and I had nowhere to turn. And out of that desperation, uh, I turned to a place that I could look. And so coming out of that, um, it was still quite scary because when you're a new kind of baby Christian, especially one that had struggled with addiction, you're very fragile and you're very vulnerable and impressionable. And so I kind of took on this, uh, incubator life. I took a night shift job at a church. Um, and so literally my routine was wake up, go to the gym, go to the church. And I would spend like all the rest of my time in my day there. And nobody else was awake. I had a flip phone. I was disconnected <laughs> from the rest of the world. And it was a security type job. So I would do um, check-ins every every hour. But between then, I was literally just sitting in his presence. I was reading the word. I was worshiping. There was another security guard there that we would do Bible studies together. Um, and so for that six-month period, I, I was very, very alone. And I felt very lonely but I was okay to be in that kind of uncomfortable space because I knew that 
I had to be, all of those things had to be ripped away from me so that I could just get to know God in the intimate way that, that I was designed to. And during that time, I started getting these little nuggets gradually as I started to kind of learn how to hear the voice of the Lord and, and pray and kind of engage in relationship with him. And I wrote them down, but I had no idea what to do with them. I figured that they would just be um, little bullet points in my journal that would never go anywhere or do anything. But a year later, um, I was doing ROTC. I was in college. I had found kind of a church home with a great community and, and began to kind of grow and strengthen my faith and everything like that. Um, and I picked that journal up again. And I was reading through those nuggets, those little bullet points that I had written a year prior. And I was like, I need to share these somehow. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I felt prompted a year later, why it wasn't sooner. I have no idea. But I was like, well, I'm, I've been doing videography for years. I know how to make videos and, wow. and you know, where they don't look like uh, absolute junk. And so I <laughs> started making these little 60 second videos. And to my surprise, um, young guys started asking questions in the comments. One of the first wow. questions was, how do you beat addiction? And I had oh, just man. kind of come out of that wow. gambit. Mm. And so I was able to share that. And so, yeah, that's, it, it really just became a snowball um, from that point on. And I certainly haven't done everything perfectly. I look back at some old videos that I made and think what on earth was I thinking? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, young guys are still reaching out saying that it encouraged them, that it helped build their faith. They came to Christ. Um, and so that makes it all worth it. And, uh, I wouldn't have done it any other way. That's awesome. I love that you wow. just said you'll look back at old things and be like, what happened? And we have that happen <laughs> Oh, all the yeah, time. we do that. But I think it's Goodness. cool because you get to see like how God took you from one place and mm. took you to this place now. The even like after the part of like the darkest valley, even mm. in the part where he's called you to be, how he will just continue to utilize you and like stretch you and challenge you. Yes. You're never done learning. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we yeah, jump. No kidding. Before we jump in the topic again. Um. You did a live a while back and we actually hopped on because we, we were did. curious just to hear what you had to say. And you said something that stuck with me. And I I asked a question and I said, like, what is something that you want out of this platform? Mm -hmm. And you had said to um, reduce the numbers of male suicides. And I think that mm -hmm. is just so, like, inspiring. And I think it was a statement that you didn't even have to think about. You were just like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think you just kind of shared, like the why, but like, what is something that you want to do? Like, what is an action you want to do to be able mm. to do that? Um, honestly, it's, it's very much footwork. And, and when I mm. say footwork, I mean, um, literally just interacting with, with every single guy that reaches mm. out to me personally yeah. and tells me that they're in a dark place. And, you know, a lot of people kind of treat that as, as a burden of sorts, mm. but I, I, I consider it an honor. Like, mm. I, when I was at my lowest point, um, you know, you mentioned suicide. I was running on foot to a motel six with no mm. intention of, of running back oh, out. Um, before mm. I decided to check myself into rehab. Yeah. So I know what it's like to be in the deepest, darkest part of your story mm. and invited in to share that moment with them, to be a voice in that situation, um, is one of the greatest honors because I can't, imagine who I would have trusted to be with me through that. None of my friends knew what was going on. None of my mm -hmm. closest friends, none of my closest family members knew what my intentions were or necessarily how bad off I was because I didn't trust anybody um, to bring them into that. And so the fact that 
these guys are, are willing to trust me to bring me into those dark moments with them mm-hmm. uh, after just seeing a couple videos. I mean, that's God. That yeah, There's no other way absolutely. to describe it. And mm-hmm. so, um, I, I see it as a huge honor. And if it's one at a time, and if, mm-hmm. if I'm only able to help um, a handful of guys that way, then so be it. Yeah. Um, but nothing will ever replace just that one-on-one dialogue and conversation. And the guys that follow me know, like, hey, my DMs are always open. And, you know, I'm... Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a one response thing. Like we're, I'm going to yeah. check up on you and, and all sorts of things like that. So I would say that's, that's my plan as of now. If, if I find something easier to replicate, then I will. But yeah. as of now, I'm enjoying kind of walking uh, with these guys through their, their ups and their downs and seeing their triumphs. Um, that's a big joy for me. That's, wow. I think that's so inspiring and so encouraging because I feel like us as women, like we see that a lot in our space like I feel like it's a lot easier for girls to talk to girls Mm -hmm. about like challenges and struggles but I think what you're doing like truly is so amazing because I feel like it's it can be a lot harder for guys to be vulnerable with other guys and open up and like take that mask off and um so I just I really appreciate what you're doing I know all the guys out there do too yeah yeah it's it it definitely is different for men and I think Mm -hmm. I actually just did a podcast kind of around um mental health and things like that Mm -hmm. recently and what I tried to dispel in that was like, Hey guys, we don't have to be vulnerable the way that women are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We do it a little differently. When you say things to a guy, like, you know, just open up, just talk about your feelings, just be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We'd almost rather you just tell us to suck it up. Like we would rather hear that to, to hear, um, that we have to share our feelings and and be vulnerable just kind of makes us nauseous. So what I try to tell guys is like, hey, when you come to your brother in a vulnerable state, you're not looking for comfort. You're looking to be strengthened. Mm -hmm. And so that oftentimes um, disarms that kind of um, hesitancy towards vulnerability because, you know, like, okay, I'm not seeking an easy way out. I'm not seeking ease. I'm not seeking comfort because as men, we weren't wired to do that. We're wired to seek adventure. We're wired to seek um, almost peril and difficulty. And so it's like, hey, come to me, come to your brothers, um, and we'll strengthen each other so that you can get back out there and keep fighting, not so you can stay here in comfort, right? Um, and so I think, you know, the more we're able to kind of spread that message of like, hey, vulnerability doesn't have to look feminine. You can do it in a very, very masculine way and be strengthened and actually be more effective um, in, in the environments that you want to go out and, and shine a light into, per se. Um, it doesn't have to be a girly thing. It can be incredibly manly. It's, it's just all about um, how you go about it. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been trying to kind of disarm that and, and spread that as well. But I think we've got a long way to go with that one. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, that was all really great. Um, let's go ahead and go into the topic. I will let you introduce the topic that we're doing, Dre. <laughs> yes. So we're talking about singleness, something I actually have positive experience in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll actually like list a qualification here because I don't have many of those. So it's always fun when I actually get to do it. Nice. Um, so when I kind of came out of that phase of, of going through my, my deepest, darkest parts and the Lord kind of beginning to work on me, um, I asked him, I was like, okay, God, I'm not really worried about relationships right now. I know I need time because I had just gotten out of like a serious three year long relationship. So I was like, God, I'm not in a rush, but like, if there is a time frame, if there's any agenda or anything like that, just let me know. And I felt these words come up in my spirit. If you give me two years of your undivided attention, 
You don't date. You don't do anything like that. You just focus on me. I will turn you into a man worth marrying. And at that point, I realized the purpose of singleness. It's not waiting for God to bring the perfect person to you. It's about him turning you into the perfect person that can handle the weight of the relationship that he wants to to put you in. Um, And so whenever that attitude shifted for me, everything changed. And I walked through that two-year season of singleness. And I already miss it. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this. That's awesome. Wow. I love, that. I love what huge. you just said. Yeah. So like, I guess my first question is how, what did you learn the most in your singleness? Uh, I learned how how little I know. That's for sure. Um, the, the most eye-opening thing to me was I spent a lot of time kind of um, observing how Christian men led their households how they led their wives, how they led their children and how they did all of those things. And we often shrug it off like it's no big deal or like it's easy or, or it's normal. Um, it's incredibly difficult. It is a huge responsibility to bear. I mean, um, at least coming from the men's side of things, right? Like if anything goes wrong in that relationship, it doesn't matter who did it. It's on you because mm-hmm. the Otis responsibility and leadership is on you. And so I guess the the, the first and most potent thing that I learned was just the weightiness of that responsibility. And I was like, okay, I, I want to be prepared and ready for this. Um, and then kind of the second biggest necessity that I learned and, and kind of practiced throughout that was just integrity, like integrity almost to a ridiculous level. Because if there is any sort of um, chink in your armor as far as integrity goes, it will lead to full-blown disintegration of whatever relationship you're in. If you can't trust yourself in any area, no matter how big or small, nobody can trust you in every area. Um, so yeah, I would say those are the two biggest and, and kind of most difficult lessons that I had to learn throughout those two years. Mm. Wow, that's really good. I think another question that I have, and I'm going to take advantage of it because we have a male perspective <laughs> and we normally don't here on the podcast, but um, how can women make the most of their season of singleness from your perspective? Oh man, this is a really good one. I, I often think about it from the perspective of the woman, and how much more frustrating it must be. Mm. Because at the end of the day, this is something that I've been asked a lot, like, how do you find a man of God, right? Mm-hmm. And what I always have to say is you don't find a man of God, he finds you, mm-hmm. because they're on offense. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a very frustrating place to be as a woman, you're, you're almost just lying in wait, like this, this precious treasure just awaiting to to be found uh, and to be discovered. And so I would say, honestly, the the more you root yourself in Christ, and we say fancy things like that in Christianese all the time, but Mm. what that means is is your life foundation is based solely upon him. Mm. Um, If you lose everything else and that remains, it's okay. Mm. So what I would first say is, is stripping off everything that hinders you um, to connect with him. Just sit down and evaluate like, okay, if I feel anything that I'm holding on to, anything that I am trying to keep control of in my life, whether it is a dream or a desire. And when you talk about seasons of singleness, that often looks like a family. That's something that I had to look down. Like, God, if you never give me a family, I will still love you. I will still fight for you and your kingdom. I will do whatever you tell me to do. Um, Because at the end of the day for eternity, it's me and you. Um, So recognizing that, the eternal relationship comes first 
and just investing in that so recklessly to the point where you almost don't care what it costs um, as long as you you get that next level of intimacy with the Lord. When you get to get a little bit closer to his presence, when you get to see him a little bit clearer, when you get to know him a little bit better, um, I would say just pursue that with all of your heart. And at a certain point, a man of God is going to take notice of that. And it's going to come about the right way. It's going to come about at the right time. Um, but just get so tunnel, tunnel vision focused on that. That's the only thing that I could think to say um, from the female perspective, because it's just so different from the male perspective. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that was good. That was yeah. really good. <laughs> I feel like a lot in our society right now is that when you're single, either for like the male or female version, like it's a bad thing. And especially with, I don't know when you're, where you are, but like where we are, people are getting married younger and younger every oh, yeah. day. <laughs> so you start to feel oh, yeah. like you're behind or you're not successful in that department. And then you start to compare. So like, what do you say to the people, more so men, I guess is what I'm going to ask, but like, what do you say to the men that try to compare themselves to other people and just try to get somebody so that they have somebody so that they're not alone? Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard, um, especially at the young adult stage mm-hmm. of life, because what you're doing as a young adult is you're building your life. You have yeah. this whole um, checklist of, of these boxes. It's like, okay, I want to get financially independent. Maybe I want to get my education. I want to get my career in order. Um, and you're trying to set up this whole infrastructure that you think you're going to live in for the next few decades. Um, and one of the most like pressing things is the relationship, mm-hmm. because that you kind of build practically everything else around. And so that desperation is is real, especially in the young adult sphere. And oh my goodness, I mean, if you go to any sort of Christian college around the nation, people are getting married sophomore year, like it's mm-hmm. another business. It's um, no shame on that. Good on them. But holy moly, th- there are definitely a lot of people in their mid-20s single that do not want to be single though. Um, so what I would say is this, especially from, from the men's perspective, it's okay that a marriage is on that list. It needs to be. Um, God made marriage and said it was good. And it, it's, it, the, the family is really the building block of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a, a family of families, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a good thing to desire that. Don't, don't you dare snuff that desire out. But what you need to realize is that that box does not go first, mm-hmm. especially for the men. And I made a video talking about this. We, we love to put that box at the very top. It's get the girl, get the girl, get the girl. Mm-hmm. And we completely forget to slay the dragon. And if you look at any fairy tale, mm-hmm. um, what does the knight have to do? He has to slay the dragon before he gets mm-hmm. the girl. And there's a reason for that. It's because, okay, if you got the girl tomorrow, you'd probably mess it up the next day because you don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. You, haven't, um, you haven't stared uh, darkness in the face, the same darkness that's going to be coming after her that you're going to have to protect her from. Mm-hmm. And you haven't built up the courage to face it down, whether that is an inner demon, whether that's a problem out there in the, in the world, excuse me, um, whether that's an endeavor, um, you know, you need to at least see and taste those things um, before you can be trusted with one of God's daughters. And so mm-hmm. at least from the men's perspective, it's like, don't look for the girl, look for the dragon. And oftentimes the dragon leads you right to the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So at least from the men's perspective, that's what I would say is, is you, you're looking around for a spiritual fight is what you're looking for. Um, you're not looking to get the girl without, without putting up a fight for her. Mm-hmm. 
It's interesting because there's so many different ways that people, both male and female, <laughs> go looking for their significant other because there's not just like in-person things in church. Like there is dating apps. And that is a yeah. thing that like I'm even guilty of that, of just like seeking that when you feel alone. And people are doing that every day, like so many times a day. And they're talking to people that are like not going to have any regulation in their whole life. Like they're just talking to talk. And it's just a crazy yeah. aspect of singleness. Cause when you're single, you're like, okay, I'm going to find someone. I'm like single and ready to mingle. <laughs> you hear that <laughs> phrase. And so people go on those apps and all these things and just make connections that are never going to do anything or go anywhere. So I guess my yeah. question is, what do you think of dating apps? So I was, I've been asked this question a lot and <laughs> my answer up until recently has always been, listen, if you're going to do it, if there truly are no godly men or women in your local church or in your local area or whatever, then talk to one person at a time and mm -hmm. you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, recently I've become so much more opposed to it, even to where I wouldn't even recommend that anymore because something that I realized is, is love is too precious a thing to make so accessible. Um, the moment good. you make love convenient, you diminish the value of it, um, to such an extreme level. Um, when I fall in love, when I meet my wife, I don't want it to be easy or convenient and listen, however God wants to bring her is how he, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. If she pops up in my DMs one day, then cool. Mm -hmm. Um, gosh, I, I, I just want to chase her somehow. I, I, I don't want it. Uh, to be convenient because mm -hmm. for some reason to me, I feel like that just diminishes the beauty and the value of, of how God works. We're, we're taking yeah. um, his creative liberties from him when we try to take things like love into our own hands. Um, so yeah, I would just say it doesn't have to be convenient. It doesn't have to be easy. Maybe the fact that it's difficult and that you have to wait so long and, uh, and that it's arduous and that that temptation of, of trying to fill that void of loneliness mm -hmm. is always there throughout the entire gambit. Maybe it's that painful process that makes love so desirable, so beautiful. Um, so yeah, if, if you're struggling with kind of seeking out that uh, that attention and that connection, maybe that's just a way to think about that. And, and you know, hopefully that'll encourage people that are um, dealing with that currently. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. So my next question is, what is God teaching you right now in this season? Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> he is teaching me boldness. Um, I'm a I'm actually a very naturally timid person. A lot of times I, I can fall into waiting for things to fall into my lap and I'm perfectly happy playing second fiddle and kind of hiding in the background and things like that. Um, but, you know, God's very much telling me like, hey, there's some mountains out here that, that you need to climb. Mm. And now you've got people watching you. And so they need to yeah. see you climb it and do it successfully mm -hmm. so that they can do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, especially young men and, and all the things that they're dealing with, they're desperately looking for um, someone that genuinely puts God first. Um, that isn't, uh, uh, and again, this might get me in trouble, but hasn't been looked at the the conveyor belt of feminized Christian nice guys. Um, and so yeah, I, I think that God's just teaching me boldness to to take that on and not to uh, shy away from it or be afraid of it yeah. or think. Hey, what if what if I mess it up? What if I'm not good enough? What mm -hmm. if I'm not the right guy? It, God's really just kind of showing me to abandon that mentality completely mm -hmm. and be a little reckless and mm -hmm. live a little bit. 
Yes. This reminds me of something Addison always says. And would you like to say it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. It's the quote, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) I I love that quote. (laughs) It's funny because I was in class the other day and I was looking to my left at just some girl that I just met and I was like, God, like, why didn't you let her do this? Like, mm-hmm. the bully creative thing. Like, why yeah. did you pick me? Like, out of everyone in the world, how am I able to do this? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Lord was like, she has something I created her for. This is what I've created you for. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's sometimes so hard because, I mean, people don't see the behind the scenes of what it takes to do what you're doing, what we're doing. Yeah. And, like, that's just the reality of it. But we're doing it for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But it's sometimes, like scary frustrating and all of like the things when you're really in it and you're like okay like what what am I doing like yeah. why am I called to this why can't I just be like normal, like, normal like <laughs> worker in a cubicle like yeah it's just crazy I oh love that you gosh. said boldness yeah no it's I've had that exact same thought there were literally guys that were uh mentoring me for a time this guy was discipling me and just kind of helping me through like okay how do you become a man of God right mm-hmm. and when this whole thing popped off I was like God why didn't you give him this platform mm-hmm. he would be doing 10 times 100 mm-hmm. times more for the kingdom than mm-hmm. i possibly can even imagine doing mm-hmm. and i got that same answer it's like yeah. he's got his own thing yeah. uh, this yeah. is what i've given you so just shut up and do what you're told yeah, yeah. yeah. basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> question. all right i'll keep making videos <laughs> yep <laughs> a question i have following up with that is what would you tell someone who's struggling to understand what it means to be a man of god oh man um, I would say the quicker that you can decide your life is not about you anymore, the quicker it's all going to make sense. Mm-hmm. When you can make that decision to truly and recklessly, um, it's suicide. Um, being a man of God is suicide. You have to mm-hmm. kill everything in you that lives for you. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. but gosh, there's so much freedom in that. And there's so much mm-hmm. purpose in that. And uh, the moment you can do that is the moment you become dangerous because yeah. there's no self-preservation yeah. in you anymore. When you don't live for yourself, when you live for others, there is nothing you won't do and no bridge you won't cross, no mountain you won't climb uh, in order to help somebody. Um, right. And so I would say all the the blurred lines and the, the difficult debates of, you know, it, is this a sin? Is this bad for me? Is this good for me? Can I at least do this or mess around with this? All of that fades away when you decide, okay, I, I don't, my life is not about me. Yeah. Um, everything becomes so clear when, when you make that decision. And so yeah. I would just say that you can get there, the better. And that's not an easy thing to do. Spent many nights in my prayer closet, closet, crying on my face, just yeah. like, God, help me do this. Help yeah. me kill my flesh. Help me kill my own desires. I just want you in here. Um, that's not an easy thing to do, yeah. but man, you'll never have a question about what does it mean to be a man of God Mm. after you can do that. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So with the platform that you have, um, I've realized that on TikTok and Instagram, when people see a man of God and like girls that are are Christians, they latch on that. (laughs) And they're like, oh, I want that. So I'm sure you've gotten many DMs, many comments. How do you (laughs) maintain your single life and the obedience to the Lord Mm. when like you have these things maybe at your convenience as you said earlier i am so glad that you asked that question (laughs) Mm. i i cannot express and i'm gonna be on smoke here for a minute okay so i hope that's all right that's okay um i so i'll openly say like right now you know when i was in a season of singleness i openly said like hey i'm single Mm -hmm. don't hit me up Mm -hmm. um 
now I'm not. And I'll actively say I'm actively pursuing somebody right now. Mm. And I'm, I'm literally like, I'm doing a, a podcast this week about kind of relationships and Q and A and stuff. And that's one mm. of the things I'm going to say is, Hey, I'm pursuing somebody right now. So mm -hmm. stay out my DMs. And the number of Christian guys in this space that would not dare say that, that I know for a fact mm. are with girls or are supposed mm. to be single right now. But they love the options. Mm. They love the attention. They love getting those DMs. Mm -hmm. um, I think that options are one of the quickest ways to kill your intimacy with God. Yeah. I think it was Matthew McConaughey that said, too many options will make a tyrant of us all. And it's mm. so incredible. Wow. I've seen what options can do to a man. And that's what, so, that's what worldly men are competing for. They're competing to have uh, the most, the greatest number of women attracted mm -hmm. to them, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of when I got this platform and those messages started to flow in and everything, I realized really quickly, like, I don't, I detest options. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, I'm going to stand across from one woman, not the, not one of 10, not one that I just decided, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, but yeah. the one. Yeah. And I'm going to tie my life to hers forever. Mm -hmm. And I don't want her to be another option. And mm -hmm. so... I don't need options because um, there's my way and then there's God's way. And only one of those ways is right. Yeah. And um, there's no options in God's way. It's his way or the highway. Mm -hmm. um, and everything that I have that is good is in him. And I have nothing good outside of him. So I don't need options. I don't, I don't need um, my choice pick. Um, I just need whatever he gives me. And whatever that is, I know it's going to be good because it's from him not because it was in my own power or by my own platform or anything like that. And so that's something that I challenge every Christian male TikToker, every Christian male that, you know, is, is doing his thing on Instagram and uh, shirtless sharing the gospel. You got to love that. Right. <laughs> I, I challenge them with that. Do not abuse your platform. Yeah. At the end of the day, these are God's precious daughters mm -hmm. and We've all had that conversation with the overprotective father that threatens to kill you on the first date as you're picking <laughs> his daughter up. If that, if her earthly father is that protective of her, mm. what makes you think you want to mess with her heavenly father who sees mm. everything? Man, that's um, good. Dang. That's good. So yeah, that's a word of caution to my peers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wow. All right, Trey, thank you so much for coming on. You brought yes. so much wisdom and a point of view that we don't get often, so we really appreciate it. Yes. Um, stay tuned for Flavor of the Week. All right, y'all, it's time for Flavor of the Week. So to get us started, we're going to get started with our guest, Trey. So Trey, what is your Flavor of the Week this week? Oh, gosh. And that was just like a, a podcast message or something that stuck out, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's this message that actually took place a year ago from a church that I used to go to called the Innocence War. Um, it was right after, uh, it might not have been a year ago, but it was right after the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And mm. my pastor got up and absolutely brought the house down. But the statement that has been ringing in my head is that Jesus won the war on innocence. And mm. the, the way that you sum up the gospel is that he died so that the innocent could be um or so the guilty can be made innocent again. Mm -hmm. And you look around at the society that we live in and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of innocence or dignity left. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. the reality that Jesus can restore that and that he's already restored that mm -hmm. is pretty comforting right now. Yeah. So that's something that's been stuck with me for a while. Oh, I love Gosh, that. I love that. That's love good. It. What about you, Addison? 
Mine's a podcast with the same podcast that I always do, becoming <laughs> something. Um, but specifically the episode that was talking about the influencer. It was really good. So yeah. What about you, Lily? Mine is a song this week and it is called If the Lord Builds the House by Hope Darst. And here is a sneak peek. All right. Well, that is all for our flavor of the week. Trey, again, thank you. And thank we you, will thank talk you. to you all later. Bye. Bye.